Hi, this is Jackie Bouchon representing the SQA Communication and History Committee, known as CHC. Today I'm talking with Linda Brown, a longtime SQA member. Good morning, Linda. Good morning. How are you today, Jackie? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Wonderful. So let's start at the beginning. When did you join SQA and what was it like then? Well, it really wasn't SQA when I joined. Um, I'm one of the oldies. And like I said earlier, a hope considered a goodie because I am so old. I've been in the industry so long that I've seen the history of the development of the organization. And it's been very critical to my growth and development as a QA professional. But I joined uh, a QA group with ICI Americas and an environmental company. And we had no idea like everyone else across the world that might be impacted by the regulations, what to do as a QA professional. So early on, the government set up a round table and the round table was the beginning of SQA. And this was in the middle of the eighties, you know, uh, in the middle of 1980s, not too long after the regulations were promulgated in 78 and 79. Wow. So the <laughs> FDA actually, wait, the FDA actually started? The well, we, well, I think it just evolved because they started training sessions. They had no idea what to expect when they would come out to an organization to see and how to go about an inspection. So my first in, inspection had a combination of FDA and EPA uh, inspectors. And I think it was a fact finding meeting more of an inspection. And what they wanted to know is what do you do? And how do these regulations impact what you do so that they can develop their inspection manuals, which probably came out of that from those early inspections of my company, as well as others across the U.S. and maybe even abroad. So uh, they would pull together, have meetings of the QA representatives of all these main companies. And when we get together, that was the round table. You know, they would tell us what they thought about, uh, what they thought about the regulations and why they were promulgated. We were, they were very approachable. They were teachers. It was just a great learning field, not only to learn from the regulators, but to learn from others, trying to implement quality programs across the world. And could you just describe a little bit, what was your actual role at that company at that time? I, my title was QA scientist. I am a chemist by trade. So I was in the laboratory when I guess EPA decided, okay, everyone has to have a QA representative. And I have been after my company to promote me and put me in something else to get me off the lab floor. And they say, here it is, Linda. And they think they laughed about it, you know, but little did they know that they were giving me a career path, you know. So I was a chemist and then I was over residue st uh, studies for environmental uh, protection uh, I guess, related to insecticides, rodenticides, and uh, those types of chemicals. Wow. 
All right, excellent. And so that is how SQA started. And who all kind of stuck with it, or who who was the or who were the early founders of that group? Uh, I don't know. I don't think we had a founder. You know, we just had a group that we knew we could bring together to discuss. Okay, this happened to me. Did it happen to you? You know, so you wouldn't feel so all along. It was a support system. And then it was different for every organization. You know, did you have this problems problem? I think what we found is we had a common set of problems in just being QA professionals. And that was what, you know, evolved out of that first group. Okay, we all, you know, that policeman attitude was the first attitude that we got that we didn't know how to deal with. So we just came together as a group and discussed, okay, this is how I handle this. And this is how I handle that, you know, so we learned from each other. That's pretty awesome. So over the years that you have been in this group and, you know, can you tell me a little bit about its progression into what we have today? We don't usually get to see that perspective. Well, from the roundtable discussions, and they were discussions between um, industry leaders or the QA professionals from the various organizations. And most of the time we had a regulator there. You know, they wanted to hear what we were discussing. They wanted to be a part of those meetings because they were developing their inspection manuals from the problems we were having. What happens when you try to implement this regulation? Is it difficult or not, you know? And to learn from them what, uh, what they meant by developing those regulations and trying to implement it was what started that round table. I don't remember when it was formalized. I think it was probably around the early 90s. You probably have the history there more so than I do. But a lot of us went back to our homes and we realized that we had a collective group within our own uh, environment, our own regions. So I was in North Carolina. This is where I started my career. And uh, the Research Triangle Park is a conglomerate of some of the largest organizations, you know, that support, uh, that are regulated by EPA and FDA. So we were really very big and we developed a small local uh, QA group and we got so big that we were in competition with what was trying to be developed on the national level. We were approached by the national organization because this was the beginning of it becoming just that and asked to not go beyond our region. So as a result of the organization trying to be the big overreaching organization that would have international outreach, they wanted us to stay within our region and let the national organization do something that we were trying to do in North Carolina. We had people interested because the companies are international in the area that wanted to come to North Carolina for international meetings. So they started pulling these regional groups together and saying, let us be the hub for international interaction and you stay within your regions. So that's how the regional groups were developed to support the national organization. Wow. Wow. That's, that's excellent. And then 
So, and that is a, a still a very strong region uh, chapter. It is. And, and I think it's because of the companies that are located in the area. Uh, they're international as well as local. And uh, the local uh, North Carolina group end up, ended up also producing some of the presidents of the national organization. So we were one of the strongest regional chapters. So we had a lot to do with developing the uh, bylaws, <laughs> all the structure, you know, because we had so much representation from our region in the national organization. Wow. Okay. Yeah. One really big, you asked the name, some people, one, one, Paula Poor was one of the regulators that met with us a lot when the organization was being developed in the 80s. Uh, and the one person I remember from the national group that, from our local group that became a national president was Patricia O'Brien Pomelo. And you probably don't know her, but if you do, she was excellent as a local president and excellent as a, a national president. So we got more and more attention by uh, representing a lot of the local, uh, representing some of the boards that supported the national group. So in moving to this national group, um, what do you see as some of the, the benefits you've seen and perhaps did you lose anything when that happened? Um, I don't know whether we lost, well, we thought we were really just rolling along and we loved the fact that we were so large and because we were so large and there were large companies supporting us financially as well, that we could do so much more, you know, than, you know, because a national organization hadn't progressed that far yet. Uh, we first thought we were losing a lot, but as a local group, we could not do and there was no reason for us to be in competition with the national organization. So we all agreed, okay, we need to come into the folds of the national organization and agree that when we got to a point where we wanted to have functions that were international, we would go through the national organization and let them plan it. And we became that regional chapter. So we lost a little impetus in the beginning because we were just, I mean, there was a thirst within this area for the group, but we realized that, excuse me, the national organization would be highly recognized, not only by our local representatives from EPL, FDA, but it could have a broader impact internationally because we had people representing international companies that wanted to come to the US and be a part of the organization. So the government recognized that national organization as the go-to you know, place for the development and interaction with the group uh, as a whole. Oh, thank you. What have you enjoyed the most about SQA? Learning, I think first, uh, that you're not alone and that the networking was excellent and it still is networking. You know, you always need someone to call sometimes to say, have you experienced this? Now we do it electronically, but we were face to face a lot of times and uh, which uh, we've lost a little bit, you know. So the interaction face to face and networking and the learning from different uh, groups about how they implemented 
uh, quality within their, their organization. And uh, of foremost importance was the interaction with the regulators, which has continued to this day. Yes, I agree. It's probably the only chance many of us get to actually interact with them. Right. Other than across an inspection. Yes, an inspection. (laughs) (laughs) One of the first, one of the first, uh, the first inspection I had, Francesca Lean, and everybody knows her, what it was probably one of the first inspections she ever conducted. (laughs) So I got to know her early on in her career. Oh, that's nice. Very and nice. it's great to have to see someone that started out, you know, so long ago, like I did, who can trace the evolution of quality as well as development of the SQA organization and and um, feel good about how far it has progressed and how much it provides to the QA profession uh, for development and uh, network. And are you still active, an active member? Yes, I am. Um, I've gotten really busy over the last 20 years. So, I mean, my busiest time in SQA in the local group was in the 90s. I'll put a little age on myself. Uh, Since then, my work has not allowed me to be as involved as I wanted to be. But I thought maybe it's somebody else's time to devote to the development of the organization. And it has been. Uh, other younger people with new ideas have come along and changed the organization for the better. So you have a time, I guess, for involvement in different ways. And that's how I see myself at this point in time. I did join the diversity and inclusion, uh, diversity, inclusion and belonging committee earlier this year because I left my highly stressful job and I'm trying to do some independent consulting that will allow me to be a little bit more involved. Oh, we would love to see a lot more of you. uh, (laughs) Thank you so much. I really hope that you are planning or can plan to join us in Palm Springs. Um, this year for the annual meeting. And I'm going to wrap this up and just ask you if there's anything else that you want to share about SQA and your time spent. Well, I just want to thank the group and thank the people that were involved along the time I got, uh, I was involved in staying the course and staying involved, whether or not you're actively involved like we were years ago in the development or watching and supporting the younger people coming up and adding additional um, insights into how the organization uh, can grow even further. So I'm thankful that the organization is growing. I am glad to be a part of it. And uh, I will continue to be a part of it as long as I am a QA professional. And I'm always encouraging uh, QA professionals as I audit and learn more about new professionals in, uh, in the area to join the organization. And I'm always shocked that some of them don't know about SQA, you know, so they're always excited. Oh, really? You know, so... I'm sure some of them are like me. They're in jobs that are very time consuming and don't get out a lot. But uh, I think a greater outreach uh, is needed maybe in SQA. So the QA professionals uh, know that there is an organization they can go to to get uh, support and training. Great. 
I thank you very much. Again, this is Linda Brown, long-term member of SQA, giving us a glimpse into the history of the uh, organization. Thank you very much, Linda, and I hope to see you in person. Thank you, Jackie. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you.